Good morning. My name is Paul Stump, and I'm the pastor for Colton Community Church. Glad to have you here this morning. A couple of months ago, I read the book Irresistible by Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley is a pastor for North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Also the son of the famous preacher, Charles Stanley. Andy tells a story about him and his son going to China. And in, while they were in China, they, they got a tour of a leather factory. And it was through a friend of a friend of theirs. And, and as they were about ready to go on tour, there was this young Chinese woman who had started out working on the floor and now she was moving into management and, and she asked if she could join along in the tour. And that was okay because she was learning management and so after about two hours of the tour of the leather factory, they go back up to the manager's office, the owner's office actually, was the owner of the factory. And they ask, you know, Andy and the manager ask, the owner asks, are there any questions? And the young Chinese woman she says this she says excuse me in her broken english are you a pastor now andy didn't know what to think you know he had not mentioned that he was a pastor he didn't go in go in there to try to convert the factory he didn't even go there as a pastor he went over there as a friend of a friend and got this great tour of a factory and he didn't know whether she was a chinese spy or what and so he answered as he should have he said yes and then this started a conversation with her because she had heard a, a, a tape of his. She had heard a sermon that he had given. And through the course of that sermon, she listened to it multiple times. She became a Christian. And then she starts to tell the story. She starts to tell the story that she became a Christian. And as a, as a Christian, she, she longed to be in a church. But there was no church close by, and so in order to go to church, she would have to take a two-hour bus ride to get to the closest church. And when she got to the church, she would enjoy it, but she didn't know that many people in the church because she lived two hours away. But she would go to church, and she would long for, for, to hear the gospel preached. She would long for the, the proclamation of the scriptures. She would long for the desire to be with friends who believed like she did. And after she told that her story, she said, I got one more question, Pastor Stanley. He says, yeah, yeah, lay it on me. And she says, why doesn't everybody in America go to church? And that question haunted him. Haunts him to this day. And, it, and it's a question I'm asking us as well. Why doesn't everybody in America go to church? I'm asking the question is, why don't we as a church faithfully come to church you got people across the world who would literally die to get a piece of paper with the scriptures on it you have people struggling for an hour and a half to two hours just to get to church and we 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 roll over out of our warm bed our cell phone connected culture we roll over and we go ah, maybe not church this morning how do we help make church how do we help make church the place that it is most desirable to be? A couple of weeks ago, I talked about inertia. And, and the first half of inertia is, is that that object is just going to stay where it is unless it is pushed on 
by an external force. Church of Jesus Christ. It is my prayer that this year we, we push on that object. The object is ourselves. This morning I'm going to look. This morning we are going to look at a church that was completely movable. It was completely plastic. It had to go through some difficult times because it had to get on mission with what God had called it to do. But it's about ready to explode, about ready to, to be an impetus for the changing of the world. And that's my prayer for us this morning. See, here's what I think. I think the heart of a loss was greater than the pain of the present. As we look at the book of Acts and we begin to look at the prayers in the book of Acts for the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that the heart of the lost, the heart for the lost, is greater than the pain of the present. And we're going to see that as we look at Peter and John. And so you're going to want to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to see Peter and John, and we're going to see the church say, yeah, you're right, the, the pain of the present is not worth, it, it shouldn't even be considered compared to the heart of the lost. We need to do what we need to do in order to win as many as possible. Let me put Acts chapter 4 in context. Acts chapter 4. Well, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with the disciples. He, he resurrected from the dead. He, he's, he's there. And in Acts chapter 1, he leaves. He physically leaves the disciples for the last time. And they look up in heaven, where'd he go? And the angels say, hey, why are, why are you looking up there? You got a you got a world to reach, and so they go. And in Acts chapter one, they they pick Matthias as the replacement for Judas, who hung himself. And then in Acts chapter two, and then in Acts chapter two, after Jesus left, Jesus faithfully sends His Spirit, and there's a powerful and profound moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon the Church of Jesus Christ, comes upon those who followed Jesus during His lifetime on Earth. And a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit comes. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter gives his first sermon. And over 3,000 people are baptized as a result of the Holy Spirit using Peter in his first sermon. Then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are heading to the temple. They're heading to the temple to go pray. And there's a lame man. And the lame man says, hey, hey, do you have any alms for the poor? He's a lame man. He was born lame. And Peter says this, Peter says, you know what, look at us, we're poor, look at us, I don't have any gold, and I don't have any silver, but what I do have, I give to you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I say get up and walk, and then Peter reaches out his hand, and the lame man reaches out his hand, and the lame man is healed dramatically, and he gets up. And he stands, and he jumps, and he praises the Lord. Hallelujah. And then he does, and then, then everywhere Peter and John go, the guy is there with him. The guy, is, he, he, it says, and he clung on to Peter and John. Praising the Lord. Peter and John had an incredible prayer meeting, I'll bet you, in the temple. Oh, turn the page. Acts chapter 4. The religious leaders hear about this. They, they, they what? 
What? We got rid of that guy. And now they're followers to it. And so, so they take and they have Peter and John. They have him arrested. Next day, they call him into court. They bring the lame man into court. See, they're annoyed that Peter and John would proclaim that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that there'd be healing. And so they asked Peter and John, they said, what power? How did you do this? What power do you have to make a lame man walk? And Peter says, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. By Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he looks him in the eye. And he says, whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. You rejected him. We accepted him. And their boldness surprised the Sadducees and the religious leaders. They didn't know what to do. And so they come up with this great plan. They come up with this great plan. They say, Peter and John, Peter and John, you can no longer proclaim the name of Jesus. By order and demand of we, the leaders of your community, we tell you not to do that. But Peter and John say this, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Whether it is right for us to believe you or for us to accept your counsel, you be the judge. God's going to judge us whether it's right or wrong. But, but, but this is what you need to know. We cannot help. We cannot keep from talking. We, we, it, it, it is wired in us now. We are going to proclaim what we have seen and what we have heard. We are going to tell. Let's pick it up. Pick it up now in verse 23 in chapter 4. It says, on the release. And so the Sadducees and the religious leaders, they didn't know what to do. And so they released them. Because the people, the people would riot if if Peter and John were beaten, if Peter and John were, were, were somehow tortured for a lame man being healed. And so they let him go. And Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when the church heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand would happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak 
your reward with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let's start to unpack that. Let's look a little more deeply at what this passage means. Let's start to understand it. Because it has huge ramifications for us. After Peter and John were told by the religious leaders, people of authority, people that they deeply respected, grown up, grew up, knew and understood as, as authority figure, figures, Peter and John went back to their church, to their own people, and then reported all that was said. And the church, the followers of Jesus, the church, Jesus' followers, that's what the church is, those who follow the message of Jesus. The church heard firsthand what had happened. And so the church heard about what had happened, not from some rumor mill, they heard firsthand from Peter and John. In other words, Peter and John were eyewitnesses, and Peter and John happened to them, and Peter and John shared to the church what had happened. Get this. And when Peter and John had finished sharing about the details, about, about raising, about the lame man, about the lame man who, who they reached out their hand to, and the lame man, and he said, gold and silver, I, have, I don't have any gold and silver. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, what did Peter and John have? They had faith in Jesus Christ. They, they'd watched them do this for years. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, just so that we know which Jesus they're talking about. In the name of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. Jesus the Messiah from Nazareth. In the name of him, get up and walk. What did Peter and John have? They had the faith. They saw their master do this. And therefore they are doing it. They, they are following in the pattern and example of Jesus. That's what they had. Get up and walk. They got arrested. And the church raised their voice. Why? How dare they? Those people, they're such rotten scoundrels. That's what would happen today. That's exactly what would happen today in today's world. I, I would tell a story. I would tell, hey, hey, you should hear. I, I shared my faith. And these people got mad and they spit at me. They beat me up. And then I tell you guys a story. The injustice of the world. That's exactly what would happen today. Isn't it? Facebook. That's what happens all the time on Facebook. Why are those people... And, and from the anatomy of a, of a computer, Christians have a reputation as being mean. Being horrible. Facebook, Twitter... Instagram, Snapchat, you name it. Something happens to and, and the comment sections. Just read the comment sections on the story. A pastor says something. Christians blow up over it. They raise their voices. But that's not what 
the first church. That's not how the first church responded. That's not how the church responded. And that's not how the church should respond. They raised their voices in prayer. Oh, oh, the depth of this prayer. We're going to mine. We're going to find some gold. We're going to find some valuables. We're going to find some jewels in which as we begin to see and understand the prayer, the first church prayed, hey, hey, church, Peter and John weren't beaten. Peter and John weren't beaten. They, 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 weren't, they weren't scourged. They, all they were was, if you will, arrested. They didn't suffer. They'll get there. Sure enough, as we study the stories and the prayers in the book of Acts, you're going to see there are some bad things that happen. But right here, right now, today, in this story, that didn't happen. It's a small inconvenience. How do we respond in a small inconvenience? First thing they pray, Sovereign Lord. Stop there for a second. Don't go any farther in the prayer. Stop there. The believers recognize God is all-knowing. Sovereign Lord. Sovereignty describes the freedom from external control or any other controlling influence. Sovereign says that, that this person has no external, nothing externally can control them. They are all powerful in their dominion. Nothing externally can control them. God as sovereign means that he has ultimate authority in every sphere, in every place. God is all powerful in every sphere. And in every place, God is sovereign. And as a sovereign God, everything is under his control in every place. As sovereign, listen to this carefully, as sovereign, as the one who is absolutely in control over every place, as sovereign, he has absolute right to do all things according to his good pleasure. Revelation 4, 11 says, Worthy are you, Lord and our God. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God. To receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of you, they existed and they were created. Believers recognize God as all-knowing. Quote from A.W. Pink, great, great author, great, great commentator. He says this, divine sovereignty means that God is God, in fact. Divine sovereignty means that God is God, in fact, as well as in name, that he is a on the throne of the universe, directing all things, working all things, after the counsel of his own will. God is sovereign. Charles, um, Charles Spurgeon says this, When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. Charles Stanley, the father of Andy Stanley, who took the tour, says, 
as children of a sovereign God, we are never the victims. We are never the victims of our circumstances. Preacher, author, John Piper says, Christians believe in a sovereign God who never says, oops. We believe that our days are divine strokes on the canvas of our lives by the master artist who certified his skill, his power, and his love in the masterpiece of Calvary. If you doubt his skills in painting of your life, look at Calvary. Christians recognize God as all-powerful. He made the heavens. He made the earth. He made the sea. He made everything in them. Sometimes we forget that. God is all-powerful. He made the heavens. He made the earth. He made the sea. He made everything in them. He is all-powerful. Nothing is made that hasn't been made that, that he doesn't know about. God is all-powerful. When the world responds, they don't respond with the knowledge that God is in control. They respond and they react to bad things. The world reacts to bad things. The world reacts to difficult situations and circumstances with rage, rebellion, ruse, and revolt. The world gets mad. Rage. Just look. Look at the comments of most things on the internet. Most news stories. Read a news story and then you're going to have horrible comments on the bottom of it. Read a Facebook post. Oh, horrible comments about it. Read, read Twitter. Twitter is sometimes filled with nothing but horrible, mean comments. Rebellion. God says go this way and they go that way. God says go left, they go right. God says go, they stop. God says stop, they go. The world responds in rebellion. And that's what sin is. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is an act of rebellion. It is, it is saying, God, God, I know you made it all things. God, I know that you're in control, but I'm going to be my own God. We don't, we don't consciously say I'm going to be my own God, but, but that's exactly what happens. We declare that God, you know right from wrong, but I'm smarter than God. And therefore, I'm going to do wrong and hope that it comes out right. Rebellion. Ruse. Ruse. We try to trick our way. We try to trick our way into, well, well, let me, let me put a little deception in here. I'm just going to look good. I'm going to revolt. I'm going to revolt. Rage, rebellion, ruse, and revolt. The world acts in that aspect. The world recognizes God as softened. The world recognizes God as all-powerful because he made the heavens and the earth. I'm sorry, the believer recognizes God as all-powerful. The believer recognizes God as all-knowing. The believer recognizes God's word. The believer recognizes the value and the trust of God's word. And so Peter 
to the church has a little sermon in his prayer. As he prays, he prays this verse found in Psalms 2. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a great introduction to the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who does not walk, sit, or stand in the counsel of the wicked. The end of Psalm 2, blessed is the person. It's kind of a, kind of, kind of a collaboration of two psalms. And in the Psalm 2, it is, it is, like, it is most likely talk, thought about as a messianic psalm. Talking about the anointed of God. And so Peter quotes this. He says, he's quoting David. Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. The believers recognize God's words, the nation's rage, people's plot in vain. Kings of the earth rise up, rulers band together. They band together against the Lord, they band together against his anointed. They take this Old Testament scripture and they see that in Psalm 2, it's talking about rulers and kings rebelling against his anointed. It talks about leaders against his anointed. And they see that Jesus is anointed. They go, that Old Testament scripture, that book, that dusty old book that we ignore. Oh, look, it has application for today. Look, our situation today fits that situation. And so, so Peter and the church in the prayer, they say, oh, the nations rage. Look, Pilate and Rome, they rage. They put Jesus up on a cross. The people plot in vain. The the Gentiles, they plotted in vain. The religious leaders, they plotted in vain. The kings of the earth rise up. Herod, he rose up. Crucify him. The rulers band together. Israel conspired. We've got to do something to stop this movement of Jesus followers. Against the Lord. Against Jesus against his anointed one, against Jesus. Peter and John in their prayer through the power of the Holy Spirit see David's prayer through the power of the Holy Spirit. Prophetic word. And they see that they are alive in the prophetic word at that moment. Church, God's word is powerful. God's word is sharp. And how do you apply God's word to your life like Peter and John applied it to their life? When you've got to read it, you've got to know it, you've got to understand it. The only way you're going you're to get to know God's word is if you read God's word. If you spend time with God's word. So you can't quote what you don't know. You can't quote what you've never read. You can't think what you've never thought. You can't. And so the best way to understand God's word is to read God's word. It's the beginning of the year. Church, get into God's word. It's never too late. Start today. Start now. So that you can think God's thoughts. See, knowing God is sovereign. Knowing God is all-powerful. Knowing his word is true leads us to pray. 
So the fact that you know that God is sovereign, the fact that you know that God is all-powerful, the fact that you know God is true. How do you pray? How do you pray? And how do they pray? This is fascinating. This is going to lead to some great nuggets in a second. Look, what did they do? They said, Lord, consider their threats. Consider their threats. Lord, it didn't ask for the removal of their threats. It didn't say, Lord, Lord, banish all the religious leaders out of town. Get rid of them. No, Lord, consider. They wanted assurance that God was aware of their circumstance. The word consider means to fix one's gaze upon. It means to look upon with concern. It means it means to connect God's awareness to the situation. Incline your ear, O Lord. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Isaiah says, Lord, and consider. Lord, Lord God, I just got arrested for proclaiming your word. Lord God, the church just, just got, a, got a missile lap launched into her prayer meeting. Consider her threats. Number two. Lord, consider their threats. You don't have to remove them, Lord. You don't have to get a, you don't have to take them out, but Lord, consider their threats because we want you to enable your servants to speak with great boldness. This is great. This is great. This is this is worth the price of admission this morning. Enable your servants to speak your words with great boldness. Who were Peter and John? Peter and John were just some fishermen. Four years ago, they, they, they were casting their nuts alongside the boat. They were raised. They thought they thought they're going to take over daddy's and granddaddy's business. They thought that, okay, they'd have a wife, some kids, a family, and have a nice little business. That's how they thought their life was going to go. And then they encountered Jesus. And then they started to follow Jesus. And now Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit returned, filled them. And, and now, and now these, these uneducated, untrained, common guys are talking to these religious leaders, the trained, the powerful. So, so you, got the un, you, got, you got the powerless guy. You have the powerless guy talking to the powerful guy. You have the uneducated guy talking to the educated guy. You get the, the common guy talking to the all-knowing guy. The knowing guy has all power and authority to arrest Peter. Kick him out of the temple. To punish Peter. And to punish John. You got... You got the nobodies talking to authority and telling authority that they need to change. Salvation is found in nothing else except for a Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. Whom you crucified. I don't know about you, but that's inspiring. See, I'm a nobody. I, I was raised in San Bernardino. Parents divorced when I was 10. 
kind of, my mom abandoned me pretty much by the time I was 12, 13 years old. I, I'm, I'm, I'm growing up on my own, church. Basically flunk high school. Basically flunk high school. And then I encounter God. And then I encounter Jesus. This nobody from nowhere. This young kid. Young kid with no aspirations, no dreams, no desires. You know, when, when I was a little boy, and the trash truck guys would come, and, and they, would, they would pick up my garbage, you know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be a garbage man. That was my, that was my aspiration. And then, as soon as I got a job, I said, well, maybe, maybe I'll be a cook, a short-order cook for a restaurant. I had no dreams beyond the next couple of years. I had no, no aspirations. And then I encountered Jesus. And when I encountered Jesus, he changed my life, changed my trajectory, changed where I was going, what I was doing, who I was doing it with. And now, and now I speak with great boldness. In the name of Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved by anything else. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that you are saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you are saved. It is, there is nothing else in the whole entire world that can save you for eternity. No other religion. No thing. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, then you need to do so now. If you have issues in your life that embarrass you, that keep you from coming to Jesus, get rid of those issues. Be bold. Be strong. Be courageous. Phillips Brooks, another biblical commentator, he says, pray to be stronger, men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power. Pray for powers equal to your task. Do not pray simply that you could meet the task, but pray that you could have power to overcome the task. Don't pray that your task is equal to who you are. Pray that God is able to overcome all things through you so that you can accomplish wonderful, magnificent, great things in his name. They're praying, Lord, consider, consider their threats. Lord, Lord, be aware. I want you to be aware, Lord. I, I, I'm going through a difficult time. Make it known. If you're going through a difficult journey, make it known. Ask God to consider, consider what is going on. Enable, God, enable us. Enable us to speak with great boldness. Three, stretch out your hand. This is, a, this is, this is the nugget inside the prayer. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Stretch out your hand. The hand of mercy, not vengeance. Stretch out your hand, Lord. The hand to heal and not harm. Stretch out your hand, Lord. The hand of spiritual power, not judgment. Lord, Lord, I love those in authority. Lord, those people in authority need to hear that Jesus Christ is Savior. They need to hear that, that there is no other name in which you can be saved other than through Jesus Christ. And, and Lord, they, they don't need your judgment. They need your mercy. They need your healing power. They need your spiritual power as much as I do. 
So often, church, so often, we pray for God's judgment upon them. Upon people who think differently than we do. Let's not. Let's pray for God's hand of mercy. In the name of Jesus, I don't have gold, I don't have silver, but I'll give you what I have. I have faith in Jesus Christ. And in his name, I say, get up. And you stand over and you give up what you have, which is your faith. Have you ever thought of that? That your faith, that, that you, can, you can give your faith away? It, 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 it's something tangible, something you can grasp, you can hold on to. I don't have gold, I don't have silver. It's something you can hold on to, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up. I have faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to give it away. Hand to heal. In the name of Jesus Christ, you get wisdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, you get healing. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have spiritual power, not judgment. They did not ask for condemnation to the spiritual rulers and leaders of Jerusalem because they knew that the spiritual rulers, and they were blind. They knew that they were blind. And after they prayed, after they prayed, not before they prayed, not while they are praying, but after they prayed, because the church prayed, because the church prayed together in unity, because the church recognized God as sovereign, they recognized that, God, you're in control, and I'm not, this is your world, not mine. Because they recognized that God, God considered, God understood, God is aware. Because they realized that, that Because God could act in strength. Because they believed God could act in his strength. The place was shaken. The place was shaken. After, after they expressed their faith. After they got done praying. The place was shaken. The place was shaken. Is this relevant to us today? I'm going to read it letter to you. Letter is from a, a pastor in a church who is currently in jail. This letter was written by Pastor Wang Wei from prison in China. On December 12th, he was arrested, him and, him and his church, and him and about 100 other church leaders in the area were arrested because their church did not conform to the communist regime, regime that is there. The church is being arrested, and yet the people are going to it. We, we, we are being arrested, and we're not going to it. This is what he says from prison in part of his letter. If you want, if you want to know where his letter is at, um, ask me, and I'll give you the website for it. And this is just a snippet of the letter. It says, on the basis of the teaching, so Pastor Wee writes this, on the basis of the teachings of the Bible and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China. For God deposes kings and raises up kings. That is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements 
of God in China. As a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based upon the Bible about what righteous order and good in government is. But changing social and political institutions is not the mission I have been called to. And it is not the goal for which God has given his people in the gospel. For all hideous realities, unrighteous politics, and arbitrarily laws make known the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that because it's important. For all hideous realities, for all unrighteous politics, and all arbitrary laws, all of them make known the cross of Jesus Christ, the only means by which every Chinese person must be saved. They also make known the fact that true hope and a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ and in the hope of eternal life. As a pastor, the only thing I care about is the disruption of man's sinful nature by this faithful disobedience and the testimony it bears for the cross of Christ. I believe firmly that Christ has called me to carry out this faithful disobedience through a life of service. Under this regime that oppresses the gospel and persecutes the church. This is the means by which I preach the gospel. And it is the mystery of the gospel into which I preach. And then they called them again in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. If Jesus Christ has made an impact in your life, if Jesus Christ has changed your life, take the risk and speak about him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these men and these women who, who are listening or watching. Lord, use them. Give them bold and courageous faith. The faith that can go up to the lame, the lost, and the least. Lord, and proclaim salvation is through you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to be reminded to be a church of prayer. And then after, Lord, after they prayed, you made your presence known. So thank you, Lord, for this. Now, Lord, we have prayed. So now make your presence known. In your wonderful and precious name, Lord, I ask. Amen.